So how do I respond? Joanne Rosenberg, the author of 90 Seconds to a Life of Love, threw out this idea or this talked about this, this idea of riding the wave. And in, in her book, she said something about, about one unpleasant emotion. If we can add one good choice to an unpleasant emotion, we can actually begin to, to create reset. That if you'll take an unpleasant feeling and add one choice to it, you can actually change what's going on around you. And so she threw out this idea about one choice added to an unpleasant feeling can equal a reset. It can equal a change. It can equal something different. And so she talked about one choice. How many of you know we can all make moment-to-moment choices, right? If you're unengaged with what's going on inside of you, then chances are you're not making any choices. You're just plowing through. You're just doing what you've always done, reacting the way you've always reacted, just responding, doing whatever you've always done, whatever seems to come natural to you. How many of you say, I've been guilty of being just stuck in being like, I just, this is who I am. And everybody around you knows that if I do this, this, and this, they gonna blow. You don't have to raise your hand, that's okay. One choice. We can make moment-to-moment choices. You have the power to choose. You can make a choice. Think about the moments you chose to deny your emotions. Think about the moments you chose to not pay attention to them at all. That was a choice. You chose not to deal with it. You chose to deny it or to avoid it. We have to be careful, and and we have to be aware and not avoid what's going on inside of us. I'm having a hard time getting some of this out. Too many times, undealt with, we just continue in a pattern of unhealthiness. Is that making sense? So, So if we choose not to deal with it, or we choose not to process it, or we choose not to think about it, or pray about it, or get help for it, then we're choosing to just keep on staying the same, and then nothing changes. The problem is, is when nothing changes, everybody around you starts to get worn down, including yourself. You will get worn down also, right? You'll, you'll get tired of being emotional yourself. I remember I got sick of being angry. And I, I remember I went, one time I was like, God, why do I get angry? What's the deal? Do I have to be angry every time this happens? So we have to choose. Maybe the first choice you need to make today is to choose to stay present in what's going on inside of you and then deal with it. Process it. If you can add one good choice to an unpleasant emotion or feeling, you can experience reset. Choosing to deny your feelings is a choice, but it's probably a poor choice. I want to encourage you today to... Some of you have a hard time even talking about your emotions. This is male and female, by the way, okay? <laughs> I'll, I'll pick on guys a lot because guys, <laughs> show no emotion. <laughs> well, okay, God showed emotion. King David showed emotion. Moses showed emotion. Come on, man, get over that. 
It's machoism. It ain't working for you. It hadn't worked this far. It ain't going to keep working. Right? So we all have emotions. We all have feelings. But too many times we choose not to deal with them. Or, or honestly, we don't take them serious enough. I want you to hear me today. I want to challenge you to get an attitude. I want you to catch an attitude. I'm giving you permission to catch an attitude. Look at your neighbor and say, you can have an attitude. Don't say that to your kids. They might take it the wrong way. I want you to catch an attitude. Here's the attitude. I want you to get this attitude that says, I'm not letting these emotions wreck my life anymore. I'm not letting them lead me to places I don't want to go anymore. I'm not letting them make me do something I really don't want to do anymore. It's time to grab a hold of them and do something about it. You don't have to be an angry individual your whole life. You don't have to be depressed your whole life. You don't have to be sad your whole life. You don't have to grieve your whole life. You can grab a hold of it and say, you know what, Joker? I've had enough of this. It's time to do something about it. You're not leading me this way anymore. Amen? You need to get an attitude about your emotions. You need to take responsibility for your emotions. It's not everybody else's fault. They're your emotions. Enough is enough. There needs to be enough. It's like, I had enough of this. I'm tired of saying I'm sorry. I'm tired of apologizing. I'm tired of coming back around and saying, I promise I won't do it again. And then the people on the other end are going, whatever. I don't believe you. It's time to grab hold of it. It's not going to change in one moment. It's not going to change in one instant. It might not even change very fast. But listen to me, until you grab a hold of it, nothing's going to change. Nothing's going to change. You're not leading me this way anymore. You're not causing me to do this. I'm not going to be this person anymore. One choice to stay fully present in an unpleasant emotion can open the door for a better choice to respond, for a better response. One choice, one choice to say, you know what, I'm mad right now, but I'm not running from this. I'm not just going to blow up on everybody. I'm going to make a choice to stand in this moment and deal with this emotion. I'm going to question it. I'm going to put it on trial. I'm going to find out where it's coming from, what it's causing in me. Why is it causing this in me? Because I'm tired of feeling this way and it's time to put it to sleep. Amen? One choice added to an unpleasant feeling can set you up for a better response. Unpleasant feelings. Let's talk about those for a minute. When an emotion gets triggered, they move through us, and we have, watch this, we have physical sensations. We have physical sensations. Studies show that there's an actual biochemical rush that we experience when something happens and these emotions come rushing. It's a, it's a biochemical rush. Let somebody cuss you out. What's happening inside of you? There's a rush going on. Come on. Let somebody cut you off in traffic. Rush going on. Right? There's, a, there's something chemically happening inside of you. It's a rush. And then, and then it, it's followed by like a flush. 
And so your emotions can become like a rush, and then there's a flush that comes out. This is making sense. It's an under, you feel it in your body. I know people who, who when they're going through some, some very strong emotional things or some very stressing things, they'll start to get aches and pains in different places of their body. I'll show you a good example. If I laugh too long, you ever catch one of those laughing fits? I got this friend, she's about this tall, and when she starts laughing, ain't nobody can shut her down, and then she makes everybody else laugh. And then when I start laughing and I catch one of those fits, I feel it in my stomach. You ever get that? You're like, oh, I'm not stuck. I can't breathe. I'm feeling that emotion, right? It's in my body. It's an unpleasant feeling. That's why we tend to run from them. Because they don't feel good. That's why we distract from them. Because we don't like to feel that way. I haven't seen anybody sign up for pain 101. I haven't seen anybody sign up for suffering 201. Are you with me? We don't like to suffer. We don't like to feel pain, right? And that's why, so, so when we have emotions, we feel them in our bodies. And that's why we have a tendency to run, to hide, to distract. Come on. Because we don't like to feel that way. We don't want the uncomfortable physical sensation. I don't like to feel this way. Can I tell you, I don't like to feel that way either. I hate emotional things. Can I just be honest with you? I hate it when I get emotional. I like the, the healthy ones. I mean, the, you know, the pleasant ones, the, the joy, the excitement, the, the whatever it is. I like those, but the, those, those negative ones, man, they just, whoa, I don't like them. So I try to push them away. And when I try to push them away, they don't get no better. They actually get worse. And it causes me to not want to deal with it. When we can't show or express our emotions, they get downloaded and stored, watch this, into our bodies. You've heard it, I, I keep everything inside. I'm one of those people, I just keep everything inside. I don't show no emotions. How that's working for you? Like, like I'm about to walk away because you could blow it any minute. Like I can see the, 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 the stress fractures is happening We got to be able to express them. We got to be able to let them out. Sometimes people don't want us to let them out. Sometimes we don't want us to let them out. It's like letting your kids out in the yard. You never know what's going to happen. But they get stored inside. And when they're not given the opportunity to express, they tend to store. I know for me personally, if I'll store emotions or feelings inside of me, then, then what happens is, is it's, like, it's almost like they're record keepers. And so the next time I get into a situation that was similar to the last time, then I'll, I'll go, it's almost like the, the emotions inside of me that are stored will go, get ready, it's about to happen again. And I'll go straight up into defense mode. So you might come to me, and this, this looks very similar to me, and I might go into defense mode, and you're like, whoa, bro, what you doing? 
I had an employee like that one time. He would, he would constantly go into the defense mode. One day I looked at him and I said, dude, put your guns up. I'm not here to chew you out. I'm here to help you. Make sense? They get stored. Let's not store that. Let's give them an opportunity to be expressed. So she talked about riding the wave. It's a, it's a biochemical rush, and it's like a wave that lasts about 60 to 90 seconds. Imagine yourself on the beach right now, but not too hard because you might not come back. You're sitting on the beach, and you're watching the waves. They're coming in, right? And they're going out. Y'all have been to a beach before, right? Okay. They're coming in, and they're going out. If you haven't been to the beach, just look at your ditch the next time it floods. You'll see. <laughs> they come in, and they go out. It takes about 60 to 90 seconds for them to come in, and then they go out. Your emotions are like waves. They'll come in, and then they'll go out. They'll come in, and they'll go out. And what she's saying is ride the wave. Don't bail out, don't run and hide, don't distract, ride it out. Let me ask you a question. Can you hang on for 60 to 90 seconds? Can you just hang on for 60 to 90 seconds? Anybody? Any takers? You can raise your hand. Okay. One, two, three, four people can hang on for 60 seconds. I'm not talking about riding a bull. I'm talking about riding a wave. Our feelings are much like waves, and there's usually more than one wave, right? How many of you have had some grief? I've had grief before in my life. I had too much grief at a young age, and I can remember just writing this message. I can remember the grief would come in, and there would be sadness, and there would be hardness, and there would be just brokenness and, and just extreme grief and crying, and then it would go out, and there would be a release from it, and then it would come back in, right? You know what I'm talking about? It's like it comes in waves. Ride the wave. Embrace your emotions. It might not take years. You may start seeing some changes moment to moment. What if you stayed present? Not medicate, not distract, not run, not deny. What if you stay present? Hang on and process through that. Let me give you a couple of lies that we believe, and then I'll get real practical with you and wrap it up. Here's a couple of lies. I've, I'm, I'm pretty sure some of you have either said this or you've heard somebody say this. Number one, I can't take it anymore. Anybody ever use that one? I can't take it. I've had enough. I'm up to my limit. Come on, mamas. I've heard that so many times from mamas. I'm about to blow. <laughs> my kids know the warning sign with Cheryl when her voice goes up another octave. They're like, oh, you better shut it down. Mom about to blow. <laughs> I can't take it anymore. It, it, the lie says that you're at an end all of a sudden, and, and you just can't go any further. Can you hang on for another 60 seconds? I think you can. Number two, the second lie is I have to react now. How many of you ever feel that way? I got to react now. How many of you don't even think? You just react. <laughs> Come on. Listen, let me give you a, a wise tip for my wife because she's not in here. I can pick on her. Uh, don't ever scare my wife. 
Okay, no, like this is serious. My kids will testify. Don't ever scare my wife. My wife has this instantaneous nerve condition that, that when somebody scares her, her fist instantly balls up and she goes, <laughs> I, I kid you, Virginia, am I right? Say, so you, shake your head. Anna, am I right? Don't ever scare. She don't even think about it, right? She just responds. Some of us are that way. We don't even think. We just respond. I have to react now. Number three, I have to return the hurt. Oh, you hurt me? I'm going to hurt you back. Come on. You hurt me? I'm hurting you back. I got to get you back. I can't just take this. You hate the verse in the Bible that says when somebody hits you, give them the other cheek. I feel you. Don't care for that one either. <laughs> but you want to hurt back, right? Like you're returning a serve in a tennis match. Here's, here's a good one. Man, this is, this is a big one. I have to hide it. I, I want to park right here for, for a couple, maybe one or two minutes. Because I'm noticing this more and more that, that people are caught up in this lie that I have to hide it. I think we were raised with the understanding that I can't express my emotions. I can't be or express how I feel. I know for me, I was told to suck it up. Just suck it up. Be a man. Be a man. Suck it up. Stop crying. Being forced to hide it, right? Never ever being able to let it go. And I'm going to show you in scripture in a minute that God intends for us to let it go. He never intended for us to hide it because when you're hiding it, you're not being real. You're not being who you are. You're just hiding how you feel. And nobody knows the real you until you blow. <laughs> That's why that's called the honeymoon period. <laughs> you get married, everybody does everything right. Six months, nine months, however long you can last in the honeymoon period. And then all of a sudden, what happens? The real you comes out. And when it starts coming out, you start asking questions. Who in the heck did I marry? But some of us live a life hiding it. I hear people all the time. I just, I just, I keep it to myself. Chances are you probably don't keep it to yourself. It may, not, it may not come out emotional, but it may come out sarcastic. It may come out like you're a <clears throat> smart, <clears throat> you know what I'm talking about. It may come out like, like, like something else. It may not come out like the emotion feels, but it's going to come out some way or another, right? Instead of telling people how you really feel, you'll start to cut them with your words. I have to hide it. I have to keep it inside. I can't be real. I can't be me. So I got to live this life fake. Maybe the fifth lie that you believe is I don't have time to deal with it. Ever felt that way? I ain't got time for this today. You want to know the truth? It's taking your time already. And actually, you don't start to get freed up from it until you deal with it. Because you're still walking with it. 
You see, that's the deception. You think if I suppress it inside, I push it down, it's going to go away, and I'm going to forget about it. You know the truth. You don't forget about it. It don't go away. It comes up when you don't want it to come up, and chances are it probably embarrasses you when it comes up. So now you're dealing with it for years instead of a moment or a couple of moments. Making sense? I had to, I had to learn this in parenting um, very early on, I wouldn't give my kids a chance to express how they were feeling. So, so when they were real young, I would just, just deal with, with, with their actions and then send them on their way. And I would never give them an opportunity to give me feedback. Never give them an opportunity to tell me how they feel and, and what's going on inside of them. And I discovered that I was heading down the wrong path. And so then I started to create time to the way I go, hey, tell me, why did you make this decision? Why did you go this way? What's going on inside of you? What's bothering you? You see, when my kids start to catch attitudes, they start to do things out of, out of their emotions, that's an indication to me as a parent, it's a messenger to me also, that something is wrong or something's going on inside of them. They just don't get angry just to get angry. They don't lash out at their, at their brother or their sister just to lash out. Like, oh, this would be a good idea. I just, maybe boys going through puberty do stuff like that. But, I mean, it's, there's usually something behind it, right? If I'll give them the opportunity to tell me what's going on, it takes time. But is my time better spent dealing with something or pretending that it doesn't exist? Or acting like everything's fine. I don't have time to deal with it. So how do we release our emotions? I want to help you today. I'm going to give you five points. Simple points. I want you to take this with you today. How do we release our emotions? I want you to discuss it in life group this week. Number one, very simple. Think. Think. How do we release our emotions? You start by thinking. God gave you the ability to think. So what we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now, you need to start questioning what you're feeling. Where is it coming from? How's it feeling? You need to challenge your belief system. Maybe you, you've, you get caught up in this thing that nobody loves me. I'm all alone. I met with a guy this week, and the lie he was believing is that I'm all alone. I'm lonely. Mm-mm. You're not alone. Let me tell you who's with you. It ain't just God and the Holy Spirit that's with you. It's, and I started naming people that were involved in his life. I said, you are not alone, so, so stop believing that lie. You've got to challenge your belief system. Sometimes we're going to have to accept the truth, <laughs> whether we like it or not. Let me let you in on something. Truth does not always feel good. In fact, from my own experience, truth usually comes against what I want. Truth usually never shows up like I want it to show up, and it never hardly ever feels like I want it to feel. But it's truth, and I have to accept it. Is it true? If it's true, then I need to accept it as truth. No matter how it feels, right? But if it's a lie, I need to get rid of that. 
my wife loves me, she cares for me, and she worries about my health. But she cooks good. So she owns some of this, all this. It's her fault. Come on, guys. Somebody help me out. She tells me, baby, your pants are getting tight. I don't turn around and say, oh, well, thank you for telling me that, Cheryl. Uh-uh. I'm like, no, they don't. <clears throat> I got some slack. I start defending, right? Because I don't want to hear the truth. Because that truth don't feel good. That truth means I got to eat different. <laughs> that truth means I got to start moving a little bit more. And I don't want to. So we need to accept the truth and dismiss the lies. You need to ask the question, what's the cause? What am I feeling in my body? What am I thinking right now? What am I tempted to do right now? Think. <laughs> Pastor, you don't want to know what I'm tempted to do right now. I hear you. Number one, think. Number two, write. And you may, you may reorganize this. You may structure it different for every one of us. You may do them at different times. I'm not giving them to you in a specific order that it has to be done this way, but, but you need to write. And I know some of you don't like to write, and I want to address that today. Because if you're not writing down what you're going through in your life, then you're not keeping track of the history of your life. I journal. Hi, I'm a man. I have a journal. I'm not a sissy. I stand before you today as a man who has a journal. I write in my journal my feelings. I thank God that I started journaling years ago. Because now I have a personal history book. Nobody else is writing Jamie's history book. So Jamie's going to write his own history book. Come on, is this making sense? Some of you need to start creating some personal history. What does that mean? That means you take a journal and you start writing in it. I punched somebody today. Not a good day. They cut me off in traffic. They put onions on my burger. Whatever. Write it down. Put a date on it. Seriously. Because you need some personal history. Otherwise, you're just trying to guess at who you used to be, and you're trying to guess at how you used to respond, and you have nothing to go back to. But if you write it down, you've got something to go back to. Watch this. It'll help encourage you. Because how many of you know when you need encouragement the most, sometimes people don't answer? Sometimes you can't hear God. And you need encouragement. You can't find it. Grab your journal. 1976. When I would be before. That's for some of you older people. 2002. God did this. What if he did that? Then he'll do it. I just encouraged myself. Come on. I'm being serious. I just encouraged myself. I was, I was going through my, my message last night, and I remembered 
One time I learned something from my journal. I went, I went to my journal and I had this journal. It wasn't, it wasn't even as thick as this Bible. It was, a, it was probably half as thick as this Bible. It wasn't even a big journal. And, and I knew I'd been in it for a while and it was taking me a while to fill this journal up. And I knew I needed to get more consistent at, at writing, but I just didn't. And then one day I didn't know what to study. So a lot of times when I have a quiet time in the morning, I don't know what to study. I'll grab my journal and I'll read my history. I'll read me and God's history. <laughs> I'll read our love story. Come on, somebody. And it'll encourage me, and I'll grow from it. And one time I, I flipped it, I said, let me start at the beginning. And I opened up the first page, and I looked at the date at the top right-hand corner, and it was from two years ago. I said, dang, I need to get more consistent. I've been in this book for two years. I'm being serious. I went, I got to tighten up. And from that day on, I've increased my time writing. Why? Because I understand the value of it. I write promises over my kids that I need to go back to sometimes when I want to kill them. <laughs> kids, you need, to instruct, you need to encourage your parents to write <laughs> so you can stay alive. <laughs> I write promises over my kids. I I write down prayer requests. I write down answered prayers. Because sometimes I forget. Need to write. Listen, get over what it looks like or what it feels like. Write! Can you just write something? Don't even call it a journal, call it your man book. Whatever you, this is my man book. This is what I write in. This is my man book. Whatever you got to call it, call it. But just start writing. You're shortchanging yourself if you're not writing. I was just a little passionate about that. Because David wrote. David wrote over half the Psalms himself. What did he write about? His feelings. He wrote praise songs. We ain't got time for that. Number three, I need to move on. Go get you a notebook and write, okay? Number three, and I got to be careful with this one, you need to act. <laughs> oh, yeah, I need to act all right. Oh, I'm about to. You need to act. I want you to be careful and you need to hear me right because I don't want nobody walking out of here punching somebody saying, well, pastor told me I need to get this out. I need to get this out today. <laughs> I feel better. <laughs> Sorry you got a bloody nose. Be careful. We should never act out towards others with our emotions in a negative way. I'm going to say that again. We should never act out towards others with our emotions in a negative way. But we can act out in the right way. You may need to go into an empty room and scream. You may need to take a drive. And scream. Because some of you verbally get it out. You scream. Look at me. Everybody look at me. Do whatever you got to do. Get in the car. Get in the room. Go into the shed. I don't care. Go into the, the rice field. Go wherever you need to go. Scream. Scream it all out. Get it out. Because it doesn't belong in there. You got to let it out. Scream it out. Like, you serious, Pat? I'm serious. 
Scream out the hurt. Scream out the pain. Scream out the disappointment, the sadness, and the anger. Let it out. Because it's going to come out one way or the other. What if you just chose how it came out? It's better (laughs) to scream in the car than to scream at your kids. Can I say that one more time? It's better to scream in the car by yourself. (laughs) Because some of you are like, well, I can scream in the car at my kids. No. (laughs) Pastor said we can't scream at home, but we can scream in the car. Every one of us has a hot water heater in our house, correct? Your hot water heater comes with a special valve on the top of it. It's called a pressure relief valve. What happens is, is when the water inside the tank starts to heat up, it creates pressure. That pressure starts to build. And if it doesn't have a chance or a place to get out, then it can cause damage or it can blow. Now, I haven't heard of a hot water heater blowing in a long time, but it can cause damage to the unit itself. We are like that in a sense where we can hold stuff in and pressure starts to build and we got we to gotta have a, a pressure relief valve. Are you hearing me this morning? Some of you need to have an avenue to let some stuff out. So in your hot water heater, when the pressure comes to a certain point, the valve releases pressure so that you don't do damage to the tank. Some of you need to take a drive, and that's okay. You just need to explain to your family, I'm going to take a ride. And if you got that crazy look in your eyes, they're like, you go take that ride. (laughs) Take as much time as you need. (laughs) Come back when you're good, (laughs) right? (laughs) But come back. (laughs) Some of us are more physical. Maybe you would agree with that. Some of us are verbal, we'll scream, we'll holler, ah! some of us are physical. You don't have to raise your hands, but some of us like to throw stuff. Some of us like to slam stuff. Cabinets, plates, books, car doors. If you're a physical person, that's okay. Get you a punching bag. We don't hit nobody. A punching bag is intended to be punched. A kid or a person is not. Amen? Get you a punching bag. Punch the punching bag. Grab you a pillow. Beat something up with a pillow. Not your kids. But get it out. Two quick stories from the Bible. Two men that got it out. And I want you to get this this morning because it's okay. Moses, Moses, comes, Moses is on the mountain. God is writing the Ten Commandments on these stone tablets. Moses is, is up on the mountain for a long time. I don't know if God was just slow in writing or just Moses was enjoying his time with God, but the Bible says he was up there for a long time. Moses comes down with these two Ten Commandments tablets from God. I mean, what a holy moment, right? And him and his servant are coming down from the mountain, and they hear some noise in the camp, and, and the servant goes, man, there must be a war. Moses goes, no, that sounds like celebration. He comes down to find the children of Israel uh, celebrating. He's like, what are they celebrating? And when he, when he gets a little closer, he discovers they're celebrating a golden calf. They got impatient and they had Aaron, they convinced Aaron to create for them an idol or a God for them to worship and celebrate. 
And what I think is funny is that Moses is coming down with two commandments, two tablets with ten commandments on them, and one of them says, thou shalt not have any other gods before me. Thou shalt not worship false idols. He's coming down with that, and they're doing that. Moses takes the tablets, slams them on the ground, breaks them. Then he clears everybody out the way. He grabs the golden calf. The Bible says he grinds it into a powder, puts it in the water, and makes them drink it. What it doesn't say in the Bible is that God rebuked him for doing that. In fact, it says that God said, okay, let's go rewrite the tablets. Moses never got in trouble. He broke the Ten Commandments. He didn't even get in trouble. Another story, Jesus. Jesus is coming to Jerusalem. Jesus wants to go to God's house. He wants to go to the church, see what's going on in the church. He, he, he comes in. He's looking to see what's happening in God's house. He comes in. What does he find? A marketplace. They're selling goods. They're, they're, they're bargaining and making deals. Jesus loses it. He, he cleans off the tables, tumps the tables over. He, he runs people out the, out the church. He hollers. This is a house of prayer, not a marketplace. What the Bible doesn't say is that Jesus got rebuked for that. And oh, by the way, he was the only one who was perfect and did not sin. But he expressed his emotion. Are you seeing this? He acted it out. Number four, you need to breathe. Breathe. So I'm breathing, all right. Breathe. Once you've released it, once you've let it out, go sit down. Go find you a comfortable spot and just breathe. Get your heart rate right again. Slow your breathing down. Process through what just happened, whether good or bad, positive or negative. Take a moment, catch yourself, process what happened, catch your breath, breathe. Some of you need to breathe and repeat it as often as you need. It takes time. And then the fifth thing is to pray. And I can hear some of you saying, well, why'd you put that at the end, Pastor? Because I want to be real with you. Sometimes I don't pray until it's all over. Can I just be honest? Sometimes I don't want to pray until I've processed. Sometimes I process in the praying. Pray. Ask God to lift this emotion off of you. Philippians 4, 6, and 7. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need. Thank him for all he's done. Then you will experience God's peace. You see, God offers peace. Look at me. God offers peace. Say it with me today. God offers peace if we'll receive it. How does he say to receive peace? By telling him what we need, thanking him for everything that he's done. Then he gives us his peace. There's a process to peace. This is what I know. That God has been with me during the whole process. He has in his hands peace. And he's willing to substitute or trade out my emotions, my worries, my concerns, my fears 
for peace. He's willing to do that if I'll ask him. I've learned this, that when I pray, heaven moves. And I see things happening around me. When I don't pray, it doesn't seem like heaven is moving. When I pray, I see things happening. When I don't pray, I don't see much of anything. Pray. Pray. Ask God to help you. Eight years ago, I was an angry man. I had a short fuse. More often than not, I would take it out on my kids. More often than not, I would take it out on Ethan. And I got tired of it. And I got sick of it. I got tired of losing it. I got tired of going back and saying, I'm sorry. I got tired of asking him to forgive me. And I started praying about it. I said, God, I don't want to be angry anymore. I don't want to be so short-tempered. Will you help me? Will you help me? And in eight years, I'm not the same man I was eight years ago. I think Ethan would testify to that. My wife checks me out sometimes when Ethan and I go work together. She goes, everything went okay? I'm like, yeah, baby, it went good. Ethan did okay? He did great. Did you lose it on him? Nope, didn't lose it today, babe. I'm not mad that she asked me that. It was a real issue. It was a real problem that I needed help with. I got tired of letting it control my life. I got tired of letting it lead my life. I didn't want to pass it down to my kids. I grabbed a hold of it, and I said, we're going to do something about this. And I prayed, and I asked God to help me. And I did everything that I'm telling you to do. I thought about it. I prayed over it. I processed through it. I challenged my belief system. What's causing this? I had friends who would tell me truth and I could get wisdom from. Amen? And I'm not that person anymore. 